Blog Talk Radio. Right into this world, all alone. Gotta take your soul, you're on your own. The crow flies straight, perfect line. Welcome to Way in Sports Talk. Today is Sunday, April 6th. Before we get started, here are a few reminders. We would love to hear from you, and here are several ways to weigh in. Call us at 646-716-5564 or join us in the chat room by listening online at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Tarvino or follow us on Twitter at Way in Sports. Now here's your host, Brian Tarvin, and co-host Trey Patterson. Let's weigh in. Thank you, Michelle, and welcome, everyone. We're 30 minutes off normal schedule. This used to be our normal time, 9 p.m. Eastern, but we've changed it to 8.30, but we're back at 9. Thanks, everyone, for joining us tonight. A lot to cover. A great weekend of college basketball. We're going to break down each Final Four game and actually preview and give you some inside information that we have for the national championship game tomorrow night. Trey, I don't know about you, uh, but I didn't pick – Connecticut to make the championship either, did you? Trey, are you there? Oh, yeah, I'm here. Sorry. I was uh, talking to my wife. I didn't hear you. We were talking about if there was a hail coming in the local area or not. So I was uh, asking her if I'm going to get my car under the, under the garage. So how's it going, buddy? Oh, going good. Everything's good. Just I'm I'm really excited about tomorrow night's matchup. You know, going into this tournament, if you'd have told me uh, a seven and an eight seed would be playing for the championship, I would have probably laughed at you. But here we are, Trey. The the highest seed you add them up, that's fifteen. The highest tournament we've ever had. Are you are you shocked at this, or does this show how bad the committee actually missed their seeding this year? Well, no, I think it shows the parity of basketball. I mean, Kentucky. I mean, you could argue that they were, you know, a lower seed or higher seed than they should have been. But I don't think anybody had UConn really on their radar for a higher seed. So, I mean, this just shows you a little bit about the parity. I mean, you know, we knew Florida uh, was susceptible to good teams because they really haven't played them. Uh, but they looked invincible at times. But you know, at the same point, they played a pretty weak schedule leading up to the Final Four. So we just didn't know much about even the best teams in the tournament, Tarvin. I think this is we're going to see more and more of this as we go on uh, with basketball and you know, some of these major universities uh, doing what Kentucky is doing right now. I think it works for, for some teams and some teams it doesn't. Well, Trey, I, 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 I talked about this. We talked about this on the show that a lot of the, the seeding, I mean, the teams that got in the tournament this year, that's great. You deserved it. That's not my issue. The issue is – being unfair to these higher-seeded, the best-seeded teams like Wichita State, Louisville, teams like that, how unfair it was, the seeding, the, the bracket they were in, having Kentucky as an eight-seed in there, Duke's a three, Louisville's a four. It's just not fair for some of these teams when the seeding comes out. I mean, Kentucky had a road that, that was almost impossible to, to make it through. Do you remember a better run than this in the NCAA tournament that you can remember? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I know I'm not going to remember the team off the top of my head, but I know one team went through three number ones to win the championship. So, yeah, I mean, there's been definitely better runs. I mean, Kentucky, um, you know, hasn't played a whole lot of top seeds. I mean, this has been a good run from Kentucky for sure, but it's been an equally impressive run from UConn. I don't know that you can really distinguish the two runs. 
Well, I'm going to distinguish them for you real quick. If you look at UConn, they beat um, St. Joe's the first time they they played. I think it was a 7 versus 10. I'm just trying to find them on my bracket real quick. But the wins they had, you know, Villanova 2 seed, they were very overrated. They played an Iowa State team without their best player, and then they beat a Michigan State team that got hot, you know, in their conference tournament. And they beat Florida, which that's the signature win. But if you look at Kentucky, they beat Wichita State, the number one seed in that region. They beat Louisville, a team that should have, could have easily been a number two seed in any any bracket. And then they beat Louisville, or I said Louisville. They beat Michigan, the two seed. Could have been a one, they were argued. And then they beat Wisconsin. I don't think they, they compare to each other, honestly, Trey. I could be wrong, and I'm I'm trying to not look through this trying to cheer for Kentucky, but when I look at those two resumes side-by-side, Kentucky blows them away. No, you're looking at this through Kentucky blinders for sure. I mean, you just lowered Michigan State, who was the second favorite. You have the number one and number two teams in the bracket for people who thought they were going to win it all, and that was in Florida and Michigan State, mm-hmm. and UConn beat them both. Uh, so that's, that's that's pretty impressive. Uh, and, you know, Louisville uh, could have been higher, uh, but at the same point, you know, they could have been lower based on their regular season performances. So, yeah, there's only one team right now that's in the finals that beat the number you know, one, number two percentage-wise team who was expected to win it all, and that's 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 UConn. That's a good point. But I just look at the the whole tournament, what they played. Kentucky beat three of the last year's Final Four teams, beat two of the the champion and the runner-up, actually. It just looked like it was a stacked bracket. UConn, to me, they played well and everything, but Florida was ice cold last night. You could you can credit UConn for that. We'll talk about that game and everything, but tomorrow night's going to be great. You have two teams here that, that really nobody expected. Kentucky started at number one preseason, was out of the polls. Here's two teams, Trey, playing tomorrow night that they weren't even in the tournament last year. Yeah, that UConn ever happened on. before? Ooh, you know, yeah, it has. I think the last time was – actually, Kentucky was one of the teams the last time. I think it was – I can't remember the year, but it was Kentucky and I think St. Joe's. Um, but, yeah, it's happened before. Um, it's just been a long, long time. Well, just a Final Four weekend, Kentucky or Florida, UConn opened it up. Trey, Florida came out on like a 16-4 to lead early in the game. And after that, UConn – kind of settled in. Florida imploded. Tell me about Florida. I mean, everybody's saying the point guard was hurt. That's why they they struggled. But to me, it looked like Florida played scared. UConn took it to them, played physical, and just dominated from, you know, 10 minutes left in the first half till the end of the game. What are your thoughts on on the game? Well, I thought, you know, honestly, Florida played – the kind of game that I think some people expect them to play if they played uh, just a very, very hot, talented team. And UConn beat them earlier this year, so it wasn't a surprise. But at the same point, you know, you got to look at Florida, and we knew that, you know, they, they had good teams that had taken them uh, to the final wire. You, know, you, you had Wisconsin and UConn making it to the final four, and they had beaten Florida. So they, they were going to have some confidence against them already. And I think UConn just went in that game very confident against Florida, and I think Florida went in that game very trepid. Yeah, it looked like to me Florida thought in their minds they had this game won going into it. it I don't I don't think they took UConn very seriously, honestly, Trey. 
But looking at it, Paul Ewing's not with us tonight. I figured he wouldn't show after after his Gators laid an egg like that. But Wilbekin, it wasn't that he was hurt to me. It's just the guard play of Connecticut was just so overwhelming that, that Florida couldn't answer it. They looked so stagnant. I've never seen this Florida offense look as stagnant as they did. 19 of 49 from the field. They were 1 of 10 from 3. That's what's surprising. They hit the first three of the game within just five seconds. They started out one for one, and then they missed their next nine, Trey. Just that, that's not a recipe. Florida's not talented enough to win down low and not hitting threes. UConn, to me, is the, the, the more talented team, Trey, they won, which surprised me, honestly. I thought Florida would win that game. But yeah, I, mean, I thought Florida would win as well. I thought – I thought we were going to have, you know, I predicted a Florida-Kentucky when we got to the Final Four. I thought both those teams were going to get past uh, Wisconsin and, and UConn. And, you know, it's with the baby. You know, Kentucky won their game and, you know, Florida laid the egg. I mean, so now we have the sort of, um, it'll be interesting to see how, how many people actually watch given two low seeds, given uh, really two teams that are often hated in college basketball. I mean, Kentucky and UConn, um, you know, these are these are teams that a lot of people don't like. It's like Duke. I mean, teams that have had success in the tournament, people don't like. So we'll have to see. I mean, this is uh, two teams who've had a lot of success in the Final Four. I'm going to tell you why I don't like UConn. It's because they all they care about is women's basketball, men's basketball. They could care less about anything else. Um, if you look at Florida, Trey, they won national championships in football, Heisman trophies, championships in basketball. They, they're well-rounded. You look at UConn, they, they, they have their nose stuck up in the air when it comes to basketball about everyone. Tonight, tomorrow night, I don't think that nose is going to be too high in the air. I think their head's going to be down. But do you think that's why some people hate UConn? I don't think that has anything to do with people hate UConn. Uh, uh, people hate UConn because people don't like hockey programs. And uh, just like, I mean, everything that you said against UConn is the exact same thing that people could say against Kentucky. Uh, but, you know, you're talking about programs. No, no Kentucky actually plays in a conference. They don't play in, in a smaller division football, and they actually try. They It's not that they they they, uh, they want to lose. They actually try. They're in a tough conference in football, but Kentucky's in basketball. Oh, well, UConn, come, come on. Come on. No, now. I mean, Kentucky, Kentucky they, they, they went the out and hired Stoops. real. Kentucky went out and hired Stoops. They're making moves is what I'm saying. They play – in a major football conference, Trey. UConn's playing in the Powder Puff now. I think they're in Division Eight. I think they've dropped down, haven't they? They're in the uh, yeah. They have dropped down, but I mean, don't don't build up Kentucky because of the conference they're in. They're they're the worst football team in the SEC, and they'd be the worst in a lot of other conferences too. So let's not let's not build them up because other other teams well, in the conference are good. Well, people, people people hate Kentucky too, Trey. Oh, I, I know. I, I'm I'm saying that they're both hated. Um, I don't think that uh, – I think Kentucky is a very snobbish basketball school, and so is UConn. I think that's why people um, tend to root against them. The same can be applied to Duke um, and, to some extent, Arizona and UCLA back in their success days. Yeah, and North Carolina. Don't leave them out. But, yeah, but you know, Florida came, in, Florida came into that game, and, and, you know, one thing that surprised me, they were outcoached. But Billy Donovan can't go out there and make these guys – Execute. It's, it's like I was saying before this tournament started. Florida needed to lose the game before that NCAA tournament. They don't need to go in there winning 30 in a row and and all of this. They they should have lost to Kentucky in that SEC championship game. 
And I think if they had have lost, it would have been a lot better. But they went in thinking they were going to win. They played a seventh seed. They should have won. And if, if that game would have been Michigan State or Kansas, somebody like that that was respected right now, I think Florida could have played a lot better. But they overlooked them in the Final Four. And you got to blame Billy Donovan for that, Trey. That's who I blame. Well, I, mean, I don't know that they're overlooked. I mean, this is a UConn team that had beaten Florida. So they had plenty of um, of tape, they had plenty of retribution in their mind. Uh, I think they just got outplayed. I mean, you know, you got a Shabazz Napier kid who could be a top five pick. I mean, he 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 was the star on that court. Not a single player at Florida was the star. I mean, it was Napier. Uh, so you know, this is this is like the Kemble Walker run from UConn. I mean. You know, I, I talk about that a lot, you know, going to these tournaments that you ever know when a Kimball Walker steps up and blows up in a tournament. Well, I mean, it happens to be the UConn again, Tarvin. You know, I thought in this this conference that it was going to be the nine-seed Oklahoma State, Marcus Smart. Boy, Tarvin, I missed it. But I did yeah, I did nail the fact that there was going to be somebody coming out of nowhere uh, and do the Kimball Walker in this tournament. And that, that's really um, both Kentucky and UConn with the, with the Harrison boys. You know, and that one kid hitting Harrison, hitting the threes, uh, you know, back-to-back-to-back games, and then for, it's Napier for UConn. Well, let's talk about the Kentucky game. I mean, what a game. It was a, a tough game to pick. I didn't feel confident picking either team, honestly, Trey. I thought Wisconsin could win. I could see him win. I could see Kentucky win in that game. But everybody's giving this Harrison guy, like, just, just I mean, if he, like, he's playing so great. He's hitting some clutch shots. He had five points going into that shot. He was non-existent in that game until that shot. I think a lot of people are putting too much value in him, and they're not really talking about the main person. And I want you to guess who I'm thinking about to me. The main person that sparked this Kentucky team uh, this year that nobody really talks about, Trey. Well, I'm not sure if we're talking about Randall or the center, uh, but I would I would guess you're talking about the center, right? I'm talking about James Young. Oh, James Young. Okay. Yeah, but to me, he's the he's the he's the spark plug that makes them go. He's so aggressive down low or getting to the hole. And that's one thing I'll say about Kentucky that I like. But they need to start shooting a few more threes, Trey. But attacking the basketball. I mean, it's like they've made their mind up that they will not shoot threes and they're just attacking every time they touch the ball. Do you think that'll work against UConn or do you think they're going to have to shoot some more threes? Well, I think UConn and Kentucky actually could come into the paint. I mean, you're talking about Connecticut. I'm not sure that their strength is going to be down low and I think Kentucky may hit them down low and UConn doesn't have the depth in the paint, Carvin, if they get into foul trouble and you know, the same could be said for, for Kentucky, too. If they get the right guy in foul trouble like Julius Randle, um, you know, or, or at the center position with, uh, let's see, Polly or Polly, whatever guy's name is down there, because of the injury. So, you know, this could be one of those games, Tarvin, you and I have talked about officiating and how, how really inconsistent it's been in the tournament. But this could be one of those games that if the officiating is tight and guys get into foul trouble, it could be decided at the free throw line. Yeah, that's somewhere Kentucky. They they're sporadic sometimes. They look good at the free throw line. Last night, fourteen to twenty one, not great. Wisconsin nineteen to twenty. But I want to start this this uh, review of this game by giving some credit to Bo Ryan and and really what he's done at Wisconsin. I, I look at what he's done over the years, and the, he doesn't have he has one player on that team that'll be playing in the NBA one, and and one at that. I mean, I think Kaminsky will make it, but. I look at what his system that he runs, how disciplined they are, 
how much they passed the ball, how they shot 19 of 20 of free throws. They missed one. But Trey, Bo Ryan, to me, in that final four was probably the best coach out of those four, and I, I don't think people give him enough credit. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got to think, Carvin. I mean, look at the Big Ten right now in basketball. You have Bo Ryan at Wisconsin and what he's doing. you got the program that Michigan has right now, which is still um, is going to be deadly next year. You have, of course, you know, Tom Izzo at Michigan State. And then, you know, that's not that's not even everybody there, Tarvin. I mean, you have Minnesota who could win the who won the NIT, uh, who are up and coming program. We know that the winner of the NIT usually makes the tournament next year and does something. I mean, Tarvin, this the Big Ten uh, in basketball and what Bo Ryan did this year in that Big Ten. I think you're right, man. It's it's pretty significant. Well, I'm going to mention the Big Ten, but we have Big E on the line. We'll see what he thinks about about the Big Ten. What's up, Big E? Hey, man, how's it going? Good. Thanks for joining us. What are your thoughts on the game last night? I thought thought Wisconsin-Kentucky was a great game. Probably, if not the best, probably one of the top three games of the tournament. Uh, I agree with you that Wisconsin uh, is a – they're very disciplined, uh, very unselfish, making the extra pass. And a lot of times – Teams like Kentucky, who are young, end up falling to a team like Wisconsin because they don't they don't make the extra pass or the unselfish play. But now I'm gonna tell you something. That was a big shot knocked down by a kid last night with five seconds to go. That was that was absolutely clutch, and it was a great game. And I, I, me and you talked earlier this week, uh, this afternoon, and I, I agree with you. I think that was probably a national championship game after the way Florida laid an egg last night. So I don't, I so, don't know that so I agree have, that I don't know that I agree with you that Bo Ryan's the best coach. I still think you got to look at Izzo. Uh, he's done it no, for I a lot. Have, no, I, oh, in in the Final Four last night, like oh, just, well, just those four games. That's still that's still a tough thing to say when you got Billy Donovan who's won two. Uh, I don't I don't agree with the way they played down the stretch, but you know you can't you can't fault a man for making a mistake every now and then. Uh, and you know that team that team probably overachieved at Florida. They were undis uh, I mean they were unselfish and disciplined, and they were there were four seniors on the floor. Uh, you know for them. But you know, when you win thirty games in a row or twenty-eight or whatever it was, man, it's it's hard to keep winning. You're going to get beat sooner or later. And uh, you know, I think they choked. I mean, that's my personal feeling. But even if they did, that's still a lot of pressure. So I, you know, I don't think you fought Donovan. I mean, yeah, they didn't they didn't get it done. But I still think you got to put him in one of the top five coaches in the country. Uh, yeah, I agree. I don't. Hey, Big E, I heard um, I heard this week, you know, you read Facebook, you look at these sports groups, and, Trey, I'll ask you after Big E answers here, but I, I hear people saying now, you know, going into that Final Four, that the SEC is the best conference in basketball, and, and having two Final Four teams proved it. I just want your thoughts on that, Big E. Well, you know, I heard for so long this year how down the SEC was. 
uh, you know, you, you take Alabama, and, and I'm not saying I'm not saying they were definitely not a tournament team. They could have been with the schedule they played. But you look at, you know, up until Kentucky beat Wichita State, who who really got close? Alabama led them by five with about two minutes to go. You know, uh, that's not a bad basketball team. Wichita State was a good basketball team. They were they were they were uh, they had they had experience. Another one of those teams that were disciplined. Uh, they just didn't hit shots against Kentucky, and that was still a great basketball game. Probably, I, I thought that was that one or last night was the two most enjoyable ones that I got to see. I didn't get to see the Tennessee-Michigan game. But look at what Tennessee did. They made a run to the Sweet 16. Georgia, I think Georgia should have been in. Uh, I, you know, I got so sick of hearing about how down the SEC was. And now now everybody's jumping on the bandwagon, you know. I mean, you, you can't have your cake and eat it, too. They're either a good conference or they're not. And, you know, I think in the years past, uh, when Alabama went, what, 22-10 and 10 a couple of years ago and ended up being the number one seed in the NIT, I think they should have been in, uh, you know. But, you know, Grant went out and got a tougher schedule and made the tournament the next year. He didn't win a game, but he made the tournament. Uh, you know, Arkansas, you know, they, they had a – little slip up against Alabama down the stretch. But they were a good basketball team. There's some good basketball teams in the SEC. And I think you guys at Auburn probably got one of the better coaches, uh, it, it, you know, with Pearl. So that's going to make the league even better. Uh, Grant, Grant will have to step up his game because now he'll have to beat Auburn or the pressure will definitely be on him. Uh, I'm just sick of hearing, you know, people jump on bandwagons I said all along that the SEC was better than people give them credit for because they focus so much on football in the SEC, and people tend to forget that you know Billy Donovan's won two, Kentucky's on the verge of winning two in the last five years. You know, uh, there, there's some good basketball teams. Florida and Kentucky are the cream, but you know there's some good basketball teams in the SEC. And you know, hey, if they want to jump on the bandwagon, next year it'll be the same thing. They'll be talking about how down the SEC is. And then, you know, Kentucky or Florida or Auburn or Tennessee or somebody will make a run in the tournament, and here they'll go back jumping on the bandwagon again. So, Trey, what do you think? I'm sorry, what was your question again? I kind of lost track of what your question was. Well, I heard a lot of people this week, you know, after the Final Four was announced that, they're they're on the SEC, you know, talking about how they're the better conference now because they had two Final Four teams in. But I okay. watch Big Ten basketball, Trey, and man, I'm very impressed when I watch. I like their style. Maybe it fits my mentality more. But just because the SEC got two teams in the Final Four, does that make them the best conference? Oh no, no. I mean, I think if you buy into to a statistic like that, then you can you know say, well, the ACC is the best football conference because they went two and zero in the BCS and won the national championship. That's just that's just rubbish. It doesn't <laughs> that doesn't make uh, the ACC anywhere near the best in the football, and it, and it doesn't make the SEC the best at basketball. It makes the SEC have two premier programs, which we knew about prior to the season starting, and you know Billy Donovan, uh, like Biggie said, is one of the best coaches in, in, in college basketball, and so is the coach at Kentucky. You know, you got two guys who are great. Um, the SEC, by no chance, is like you know the tenth best basketball conference, but they're 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 struggling right now, and they're getting better. Though I agree with Big E. I mean, Auburn's going to be interesting next year. 
even without talent, we'll see what they do. And, and, you know, I agree with Anthony Grant, what they did at Alabama. That schedule they played was, I think, top ten in toughness. Had they won a few more games, they'd have been in just because the committee would have rewarded them for it. Um, it was top so the, five. Top five, yeah, okay. I knew it was up there. Um, but, you know, a few a few big games go here and there, and the SEC could turn it around. But uh, right now, I do think they're down from where they were in the previous years. I don't, and I think that's, you know, statistically accurate. Well, I, Brian? Yeah. I, I wasn't saying the SEC was the best conference in basketball. I was just saying, oh, I know. That, you know, I, 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 think, I think the Big Ten or, uh, you know, it's hard to overlook, you know, the big the, the ACC now when you got Syracuse and Pitt and, you know, North Carolina and Duke and, you know, there's some good teams in the ACC. But I, I don't think that the SEC is as bad. That was my point is what everybody Yeah, about. exactly. But – Exactly. But, but it don't make it don't make them the best conference, you know. Because yeah. Butler reached the Final Four two years in a row, does that make them them the you know the second best conference in the country because they got to the Final Four two years in a row? No. But I, I, my point was is that everybody has dogged them all year long about how bad they were, and then they get two in, and everybody wants to jump on. But no, it don't make them the best. Uh, I still think, like you, I think the Big Ten is probably the best conference. Yeah, I, I look at Big Ten basketball, and they're to me. I think they're head and shoulders above right now this year. Everybody, and I think the ACC took a little step back in my eyes. The Big Twelve, they had Baylor, and Kansas always seems to choke. But when I look at basketball from top to bottom, now if you look at and say who has, if you look at the the top two teams of each conference or something, then you could you could probably argue with that. But as far as conference basketball goes guys it's all about the big 10 i mean there's there's nothing you can do about it or say about it the big 10 trey you know you're an acc guy but you have to agree the big 10 is by far the best conference in basketball oh yeah this this past year i think at one point they had five teams in the top 10 i mean that was the consistent big 10 statistic was you know five ten five teams or so in the top 10 you know and even a couple more in the top 15 so i mean yeah the big 10 is the premier league right now uh, and, you know, that, that shifted in the last two years. I mean, the ACC was sort of winning the ACC Big Ten Challenge, and then we saw that paradigm shift in the last two years. I think the Big 12 has taken a step up. The ACC, actually, I, th- I agree with you, Tarvin. They took a step back this year from where they were the previous year. And I think the Pac-12 actually has been kind of neutral. So, you know, there's room for a lot of these other conferences to make some moves, this, I think, in the coming years because the talent level, um, is sort of spreading out versus sort of centric. Uh, we've seen, you know, you and I have talked about it, you know, the programs who are interested in these one-and-done ki- kids, um, you know, some of them are working out, some of them aren't. You know, Kentucky's doing very well with it this year, but we saw Kansas not do well with it. So it'll be interesting to see where all, these, where all the talent goes, Tarvin. Well, well, the problem with this one-and-done uh, is, you know, Kentucky's getting all those – top athletes right there and if, if other programs out there think they're going to want to do the one and done well if they try to beat Calipari in his game with less talent they're going to get killed even more so so I'll ask you Everett what, what's the what's the key to adapting in this age of college basketball because you can't get all the big kids unless you're a top tier school and if Calipari wins tomorrow night he's going to have his pick of the litter again so how do you go about beating John Calipari in the next few years well, you got you got to beat them at their own game. I mean, you look at you look at a lot of these teams, Florida, uh, Wisconsin, Michigan State. You know the way they play. 
uh, a lot of these teams, uh, Kentucky, with that big guy in the middle, uh, they play a physical style of basketball. If you notice, most of the running gun up and down teams don't don't make a big run usually because when you get down to those, you know, final two or three games in the, in the NCAA, it becomes a physical game. It becomes a, a pushing, you know, turf war. You know, you got to beat Kentucky at their own game. You got to be disciplined enough not to turn the ball over. You got to be disciplined enough to make the extra pass, to run your offense and run your plays. And, and you know, as good as Kentucky is, if you push them on every possession, they're going to make mistakes. They're young. They're going to make mistakes. It's it's just a fact of life. Uh, you know, so you you gotta you gotta be disciplined and stay within your game plan and and make them work on defense as well as they, you know, don't don't come down and throw up a quick shot. You know, make them make them play defense for thirty seconds. But you know, to you know, he's not gonna win. He's not gonna you know he might win one every two or three years with that kind of talent. But that you you brought up something with this one and done. What's your thoughts? What what are y'all's thoughts on? Should the NCAA do something about that? And and I'll, I'll just throw out mine real quick. I wish they'd let these kids either get drafted out of high school and then make them stay three years like they do in college baseball, just like they do in baseball. You know, if you, you can be drafted out of high school, but if you sign, you play three years, and you're not eligible to be drafted again to your junior. I don't like this. You know, I, I kind of agree with Charles Barkley. I think the NBA is bad because they're letting all these kids go pro, and and they aren't they aren't man they aren't man ready yet. They're not they're yeah. not grown men yet, and 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 it's making a. I don't even enjoy watching pro basketball till the playoffs get around because that's when you got your better teams. But you know, I think you know if if a kid's been there. Even if you wanted to let him, you know, say in his sophomore year, if you wanted to wait and just don't sign with an agent. But if he gets drafted, let him go. If he don't, that's the way uh, – I can't think of his name. He comes on and does some interviews on some of the talk radio shows. Uh, He's a big basketball guy in Alabama. But he says that, you know, if they get drafted, as long as they don't sign with an agent, then fine. But if they don't get drafted, that lets them know that they're not ready yet, that the NBA scouts don't think they're ready. Let them keep, up, keep on playing until they get drafted. You know, come on, might Everett, not even get drafted. Everett, you brought up a good point that, that I, I want to talk about, too, while we answer your question. And Trey Everett said, you know, the NBA's struggling now because these kids are too young and aren't developed, really. And now college is struggling. So now you have college and the NBA trade both struggling because of this. What do you think the balance is, like Big E asked? Well, I, I mean, part of it, I, I agree with Big E. I think the NBA is um, – some of these guys are going to the NBA, and, and, and they're not actually ready. You're seeing guys get drafted at 18 out of the European League. Uh, you don't see them for three or four years. You see the guys who get drafted after the, now their first year and um, – you know, in the NBA, and some of these guys just take years and years to develop. I mean, we're now just seeing now uh, Brevin Knight, uh, who was, a, you know, for, you know, got a Kentucky, the one and done. It took him a couple of years to even to become a solid, you know, player. Uh, and now he's with Milwaukee, his second team. So, yeah, I think there is some correlation to what Biggie's saying that, that these guys aren't ready. Um, and we're talking about the one and done, Tarvin, uh, the upcoming class. Um, you know, if Kentucky loses guys, it's going to be interesting because Duke 
has now bought into this philosophy, and they have three of the top ten guys they've signed. So it looks like, Tarvin, that there are other people who are buying into this program, uh, and Mike Krzyzewski looked like he would jump all in this year. Well, I, come, I, I applaud him for doing that. But, but in my opinion, when you look at college basketball, just say you look at a whole entire season, you may have five guys that are ready to take that next step as freshmen, say, to go to that the, would actually make an immediate impact in the NBA. And I think if you're not going to make an immediate impact in the NBA, then you don't go. You set college and develop. You put on weight. You get stronger. You get more mature. You learn to play. You learn a lot. I mean, back in the day, when you saw Leitner and those guys like that, Larry Johnson, Ogman, I mean, those guys were ready to play NBA basketball, but we got to see them for three or four years. And that's when college basketball was at its best. Now you look at it, even though this has been an exciting tournament, there's not as much quality in these games, and it's because they're all jumping to the NBA. Kentucky had several players last year. They weren't ready to go to the NBA yet, but they just went. They didn't care where they were drafted. They just wanted to go to the NBA. And I think it ought to be, if you're a top five pick overall in the draft, maybe you could go after your first year if you're ready. But maybe there's a committee that determines if you're ready to go or not. I think something can be done to help these guys. I don't want to hinder them from from reaching their dream and everything, but the NFL has it. You have to be three years removed from high school. And I know basketball and football are totally different. They're not as physical, but maybe they should look down that road, E. Yeah. Well, I could maybe name three guys that came out as 18-year-olds and, and, and made an impact. Kobe B one. LeBron would be one, and Moses Malone, for some of you young guys, y'all may not know who he is, but, uh, you know, when was Jordan? Was he was he like a sophomore when he came out? Uh, he was a junior, I think. I think he was a junior. But, I mean, as great as he was, you know, he wasn't ready if you watched him as a freshman. You know, I mean, he, he was in the NBA for five years, I think, four or five years before they won a championship with him. Uh, you know, physically, you know, people say that basketball is not really that physical, but if you've ever played the game and got inside the inside in the paint, you know, there's there's some banging going on, and you've got to be ready to handle it. And those guys are grown men in the NBA. And, you know, I mean, if you can't withstand and, and at least be able to hold your own down there, you're not ready. Yeah, I, I think Trey, if you're if you can't if you can't start in the NBA or play a valuable role on a team, if you're going to be drafted, then I think you should stay put. Big E, anything you want to throw in college basketball or anything before we move on to our previews? Nah, I'm good. I, I, I'm fixing to watch uh, my, uh, River Monsters. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to check that out. What channel does it come on? Uh, 282 if you're on direct. Yeah, I am. That's some national, some animal planet or something, isn't it? Yeah, but he's, he goes, travels all over the world and catches <laughs> these big giant fish, man, and these dangerous fish. So that's why I like watching it. Well, all right, Biggie. Thanks for calling and, and some of that great insight and questions. We'll be back on Wednesday night. Hopefully you can join us to break down this championship. But have a great night, and we'll talk to you soon. Trey, Biggie brought up some great points tonight. Yeah, it's, it's rare that me and Biggie are on the same page, but i I got to say, him and I are at least a, in a lot of agreement when it comes to college basketball, for sure. Yeah, he, he knows his stuff. And, and the thing about basketball – 
you know, like what I was saying, and I don't think I, I said it the right way, Trey, if you're going to try to beat Calipari or Krzyzewski right now at this one and done, you can't do it unless you're getting the top talent. I'm talking top ten players in the country. So I don't think you can adapt that rule and, and try to or adapt to it and actually win. I think you're going to have to try something different. Because it's like, you know, both of you have guns. You're going to both shoot each other with guns. But if you have a machine gun and I have a, a BB gun, there's two differences there. I'm, I'm oh, getting yeah, a lot man. of static on your phone, buddy. Yeah, sorry. I was uh, messing with my wire here. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, you're right. I mean, I just think, I mean, one player um, could come back next year for one of these schools and just change the entire landscape of college basketball. I mean, that's where we are today. With how you know almost how much we need somebody to come back and just say I'm going to come back at least for another year. You know we know Wiggins and and Ebede, uh for Kansas are gone. They're both going to be probably top four picks. The two of them guys are. Um, but you know and but now we look to Duke and we'll look to Kentucky to see if you know Randall leaves. We'll look to you know Duke still hasn't had Jabari Parker make an announcement yet. Uh, and if Jabari Parker comes back and they have three guys who are in the top ten. Of this recruiting class, you have one guy named Winslow who's a Ford. You have uh, the, the guard from Tyrus, Tyus Jones, and then the center in Okafor. I mean, geez, Tarvin, I mean, Duke could be freaking amazing next year. Um, they may be really great next year, but imagine seeing Julius, uh, you know, see, just seeing Julius Randle uh, and, and Jabari Parker go, go at it next year in the tournament. Wouldn't that be something? Yeah, imagine Duke bringing back those players you mentioned, getting Okafor, the number one overall player in the class, and Tyus Jones, the number four point guard, imagine him bringing that talent in with what he has now. That's how you win championships like that. I think uh, Calipari caught lightning in a bottle right now in the tournament. But if you you got to add to it, really. And Kentucky, I'm interested to see how they do after this year. If they win it all, will anybody flip? Will anybody decommit from Duke, Kansas, somebody like that? But I'll tell you one thing real quick before we preview this game. SMU has the number five overall player committed to him right now. Emmanuel, I can't even pronounce his last name. He's a point guard out of Dallas, Texas, Trey. Is that is this the SMU with the Eric Dickerson days in football where they were cheating to get these guys? Or is their I don't I don't understand it. Yeah, and these guys are signed, by the way. This is this is the class that's coming in already. These guys are done um, for the most part. I think there's one guy left who hasn't signed yet in the top ten. Uh, but I think he's going to Arizona, Miles Turner. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this is, uh, you know, SMU has a you know a Hall of Fame basketball coach coaching for him now. I mean, so, you know, SMU is one of those programs that, you know, when you have an NBA, you know, Hall of Fame coach coaching for you who's won the NBA championship, I mean, he's going to bring guys to play there. I just thought that was interesting, but wow, you see all these big-time uh, programs right now, and then you see SMU in the top four. So, Well, tomorrow night's game, Trey, real quick, before we talk about our baseball, um, Kentucky-UConn, what are you looking for? What's the edge for Kentucky? What's the edge for UConn if, if whoever's going to win this game? I think for for for, Connecticut, for Connecticut, it's going to be – they're going to have to basically shoot over 60%. Uh, from the field, you're looking at 65 to 66 percent, I think, to win. And I think for uh, for Kentucky, Tarvin, I think you're looking at offensive rebounds. I mean, if they if they dominate the glass like they have in the tournament, they're going to have a lot of success. Well, I looked at one one thing that I noticed last night, and I don't know if it surprised you. In the second half, 
I don't think Kentucky turned the ball over at all. And and I, I'm going to tell you, Wisconsin doesn't have the guard play that Connecticut has. If Kentucky can play that game, Trey, without turning the ball over a lot, I think they're going to have a chance because they're going to be able to crash the boards. They're going to be able to get second chance. That's a key. No turnovers and second chance points. Kentucky attacks the rim, and when they do that and they miss, everybody's crashing into these rebounds, Trey. Turnovers, second chance, rebounds. That's where Kentucky's going to win the game tomorrow. If they do, do you, would, are you surprised if they didn't turn the ball over in the second half being all freshmen? Yeah, actually, that does surprise me. Yeah, that's the key. But Connecticut, you look at, you look at what they did to Florida. If you beat Florida twice in one year and they've lost three games total, then you're a good team. And if, if Kentucky can't handle that guard play, the athleticism that they have, that's different when you're a freshman. These guys are upperclassmen too, Dre. They're not freshmen. It's going to be interesting. If they cannot turn the ball over, I think they've got a good shot to, to, to tear down the nets and listen to one shining moment with us tomorrow night. There you go. I agree. Who are you picking? You know, with four last-minute shots for Kentucky, I, I, it just seems like they have the magic. Um, I'm going Kentucky, man. It's hard to go against that kind of talent. Yeah, I, I have to go to Kentucky, and I think it's going to be because of the big man down low. I mean, they, they crash it. They're physical. They get to the free-throw line. And look, look for the Twins to have a little better performance than they had this last game. It's going to be – it could be a, not a blowout, I'm going to say. I think Kentucky will win this game between 8 and 12 points, somewhere around in there. But it's going to be a dogfight. Connecticut's a good basketball team, but Calipari wins another championship, and it's going to cause a lot of hate in the world when it comes to Tuesday morning when you hear people wake up and their they talk show radios, a lot of hate for Kentucky. But, Trey, let's move on to baseball real quick. We probably going to do about 15 or 20 more minutes. I know we haven't done our preview yet, but I do want to talk about baseball since it started. How do you want to do this? Do you just want to go through and pick each division, talk about it a minute, and then give our wild card? Yeah, let's the two wild cards. I'll start us off, Tarvin. Let's start off with the American League East. Uh, I'll tell you, this is one of the more uh, talented divisions that you're going to see this year. You know, yes. In the East, Tarvin, every one of these teams have made the playoffs like in the last two to three years, except for um, you know, except for the Toronto Blue Jays, who spent a lot of money. Um, but my pick to win the East, Tarvin, right now is in last in the East, and that's the Boston Red Sox. I'm picking them to win it again. I think uh, they have a lot of a lot of issues, but I just like the, like the, the role players on this team. I like some of the additions. Uh, I'm picking the Boston Red Sox to uh, win the American League East. Well, that's a that's a good pick, but I'm going to go with Tampa Bay uh, to win this division this year. I don't have faith in the Yankees. I don't think their pitching staff's good. I think they're old. Uh, I just, I mean, th- this is a team that doesn't have an ace, so we're going to eliminate the Yankees altogether. Toronto's Toronto. I mean, I know they spent the money, but let's face it, Toronto's not making any playoffs. Baltimore, I think they they take a step back this year. I look at them right now, they're two and four. I just think they take a step back. It's Boston and Tampa. And, and Trey, I'm going to say both of these teams make the playoffs, actually. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll give up my last card here in a little bit. But uh, both, so both of us have Boston in. I'm winning the division. And you have Tampa winning the division. How about the, the Central? I think we may come to the same conclusion, Carvin. I think Detroit wins this division. Um, probably, I would guess they're the first – they're the first team to clinch a division this year. 
By by May fifteenth, Trey Detroit clinches. How about that? <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't I don't see any wild card out of this one either. Yeah, Cleveland was one of the wild cards last year. Them in Tampa, uh, and they kind of came out of nowhere. They're a really scrappy ball club. I think I think they're going to have the trouble matching that. I think the White Sox are going to improve this year. A lot of people picked Kansas City into the wild card this year, um, and so far. I have not been all that impressed with with their their performance this year. We'll see if their bats get them there. They got a young team that's got very a lot of talent. Um, they're a trendy pick to make the wild card, Tarvin. So we'll see. I, I I kind of agree with you. I don't have a wild card. Uh, if it helps you out any, I don't have a wild card of this division either. Yeah, that makes me feel better. All right, so Tarvin, how about the American League West? What do you think? Man, you know I love Oakland. You know I'm all I picked them last year. But this year, I'm going to pick the Texas Rangers to come in and win this division. I think they're pissed off. I think they're ready to play. I have no faith in Houston, even though they're 3-3. Three and three. I don't have any faith in the Angels. And Seattle, Seattle. Felix Hernandez can only do so, so much, and uh, Robinson Cano is not going to make this team a playoff team. So I'm going to go with Texas. Trey, I like Texas. Yeah, actually, I agree with you. You know, the LA Angels, uh, a team that spent all that money, have Mike Trout, Albert Pujols, Josh Hamilton. They just don't seem to have the pitch, and they I'm really concerned about their starting and their back end. Uh, I like Texas overall. I'm the most complete team in the West. Uh, so that, that gives me Texas, uh, Detroit, and Boston as my division winners, Tarvin. Uh, now, my, my two wild cards, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I have Seattle making a wild card. I think I like the addition of Cano. I like other additions as well. Uh, I think that starting pitching is going to hold up for them. Uh, they're decently solid. So I have Seattle. And actually, Tarvin, my other wild card is the New York Yankees. I think Tanaka uh, and some of that pitching. Uh, yeah, uh, I think those guys are going to hold together. I think they're going to have a lot of injuries about halfway through. I think Tampa is going to be right there the whole year. Uh, but I just think I think the veterans of, of uh, the Yankees have one more year with Derek Jeter in the playoffs. So I got Seattle and New York Yankees in the playoffs. Okay, my division winners. We talked about Tampa, Detroit, and Texas. I'm going to go with Oakland and Boston as my wild card strand. Wow, so a little difference, and we'll, we'll post this online for everybody. I think Tarvin and I did a pretty good job last year. If you've combined us, I guess. Uh, picking the postseason. So, Tarvin, how about the NL? The NL East, you know, our, our Atlanta Braves uh, played so well last year. So many injuries already this year, Tarvin. I just think the Washington Nationals are a more complete baseball team, even with Ryan Zimmerman already being hurt and maybe being out. Uh, I, like the, I like the young kid, Rendon, at second base. I like their pitching. I like the Washington Nationals to win the East this year. Well, you, you said it perfect, man, the – the, the most complete team right now. I like Strasburg. I like the, all their pitchers, really. And, and one thing about it, they can score. And I, I know I know a lot of people are hating on it from last year, but Atlanta was hot last year. And I, I just think they got rid of too much. The pitching, I don't trust Atlanta's pitching right now. I do trust their closer. But at the end of the day, I'm going to pick one team, and that's Washington, to win this division. And I'm still going to surprise you in a minute if I have a wild card coming out of here or not. All right. Uh, well, Tarvin, I'll move us on to the Central, which I think is probably the – it's not the AL East, Tarvin. I think the NL Central might be um, very close to being the next best uh, division last year. We saw 
um, multiple wild cards come out of this division. But I think, uh, you know, St. Louis, Tarvin, I look at this team, uh, and the starting of pitching is just Wayne Wright, you know, Michael Waka, you know, Rosenthal is the closer now. I just like this team. Like Mike Adams, the first baseman. I like Alan Craig. I just like this team a lot, Tarvin. A lot of talent. They're all young. I think St. Louis is back in the postseason, and this time, again, as a division winner. I agree with you. It's the St. Louis Cardinals, and, and not getting three teams in. I am going to pick a wild card out of this one. I'm going to go ahead and tell you the wild card to me is Pittsburgh. I look at Cincinnati. I'm just not that impressed. Chicago Cubs, they're still a couple years away. Milwaukee's up in first place right now, but I just don't think that'll last. So right now St. Louis is the king. Yeah, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you that I agree with you. I got Pittsburgh in the wild card as well. I just Again, Pittsburgh is one of those teams I like. I'll scratch who they play. They got McClutch and McCutcheon, who's, you know, the NL MVP reign. Uh, so I agree with you. I think the Pittsburgh and St. Louis will be in the postseason. Uh, we'll see if Cincinnati makes my other cut. Uh, but I'm going to move on to the West, Tarvin. And, you know, even with Clayton Kershaw hurt, um, and I, I think his injury might be more serious than we know, I still think the Dodgers are the cream of the crop in the West. I'm less secure in that pick uh, if Clayton Kershaw is hurt for a significant amount of time, but I'm still going to pick the Dodgers even with Clayton Kershaw hurt to win the West. And I'm going to pick the San Francisco Giants in this one. Um, I trust them more as a total team. I I just think Puig with his issues right now, it just seems like he's not maturing. He's causing some issues in the locker room. Kershaw being out was the nail in the coffin for me long-term. I mean, these these injuries sometimes trade these long-term contracts, and then all of a sudden he's hurt. I just don't trust the Dodgers this year. And I'm going to pick San Francisco. I think the Dodgers will make a wild card, but I think that'll be about it. I like San Fran in this division. Yeah, I got, I'm going to flip you on that one, Tarvin. I, I agree with you that I, I like the Giants. I like Buster Posey. Um, really a big leader on that team. They're starting pitching with Tim Hudson coming over, just a very good back-end guy. Madison Bumgarner, Bumgarner, who just does not get the respect as an ace. I think, honestly, Tarvin, he's my Cy Young pick for the NL, and I know we're not ready to talk about picks yet. We'll do that next week. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that Madison Bumgarner is my pick for the NL Cy Young. I think he's going to lead the Giants to the postseason. Uh, and I got them as my wild card with Pittsburgh. Yep, and that means everybody out there listening, the Atlanta Braves, you know, why didn't y'all pick them in the playoffs? I just, everything Trey said was true. I mean, it's 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 the pitching, it's the injuries, it's, I mean, I, I hated them losing McCann like that. I know I know people think he's just a catcher, Trey, but he was a leader on that team, and it's hard when you lose somebody like that. Yeah, and you and I were talking off air about this. I, I'm not so sold. And Evan Gaddis, I mean, I was shocked in my fantasy baseball league when Evan Gaddis went in our first round. It's a 10-player keeper league, so it's like the 11th round. But he went the very first round, you know, after all the keepers were gone. So that shocked me. I don't have that much confidence in him. I think he's going to strike out at about 240, 250. That's not enough. I mean, that's not that's not what you need. You know, we're – relying on B.J. Upton and Jason Hayward to have resurgent years, and I, I just can't buy into that as well. Justin Upton, I'm not sure that he's going to not take a step back, Tarvin, from you know the hot streak he started off with last year. If you look at the way he ended the year, it wasn't so hot. So I'm just not sold on their bats. They're way too streaky. They don't have a consistent um, 
you know, they need a consistent player who's going to hit 300 um, and get on base all the time. And I just think they have way too many home run strikeout guys and too many injuries in that starting pitching. Yeah, I know Chris Melly's not going to be happy with us, but I wish he was here to discuss this with us, but he's a big Braves fan too. But when you're picking games, you can't always pick the team you cheer for, you know, you root for. You have to go outside the box a little bit and look at it. But the Nationals are the cream of the crop in the East, and we both agree, so it's probably going to happen. I'll be pulling for the Braves. It's not going to make me want them to make the playoffs. But I want to go real quick before we go, Trey, and talk about the draft coming up. We're not too far away from the NFL draft. What are we, about a month? Yeah. And and before I think about these quarterbacks in this draft, I think Clowney's the number one pick overall. I don't think it's going to be close. But the more I look at it, the more I start looking at these quarterbacks. Trey, I don't think a quarterback should go in the top 15, honestly. So I just want your thoughts on that. No, I, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, based on talent, uh, I think the only guy who I really think is maybe a top ten player um, is Bortles. He's the guy I'm most secure on. The rest of them, Tarvin, I just think are big projects. I think you're looking at uh, really, and I know we've talked about this before, but I just think you're looking at you know players like Geno Smith in this year's draft who have some physical capabilities, but they have a lot of issues to work out, and I think. You know, when you throw these guys in a top ten scenario, and I've seen mock drafts that have even you know even Carr in the top ten, and I just think, wow, you know, you're you're really overreaching at this point because your team needs a quarterback, and I'm not so sure that Aaron Murray or Zach Mettenberger aren't going to be able to be just as good in the Thank NFL, you. or even this Garoppolo kid out of Eastern Illinois. If you look at his uh, some of his tape, man, he's got a cannon. So I, I'm just not so sure that you can't get the value um, in later rounds. I mean, Trey, I look at him, and you, you nailed it. I mean, everything you said there. And I look at these guys, and it's before I'm an owner, and everybody's so fixed on the quarterback. Quarterback's the most important position. I get that. But I think some of these guys are reaching because they want that next big quarterback. The problem is there's not a – a, a surefire thing here. There's not anybody in here I would take right now. So, Trey, if I'm a team like um, Cleveland or something, I'm going to take a stud, like offensive lineman, somebody else is a, a receiver, somebody, and then I can slip down and get, like you said, Aaron Murray and, and somebody else being overlooked in this draft, A.J. McCarron. I think in the next few years he's going to be able to get with a team, be the backup, learn. I think A.J. McCarron is going to be a good NFL quarterback, Trey, and I think somebody's going to, somebody like the Patriots is going to grab him. Well, I mean, I just think when you're talking about, um, for one, I agree with you completely that Clowney, that if I'm the Texans, I either trade and let one of these teams uh, strike out on a, on a quarterback or I take Clowney. I mean, you, you look at what the Texans did when they took Mario Williams uh, over Reggie Bush. Now, both those guys are solid pros, but I don't think – that if you look back at that draft and you think, well, wow, you know, I can't believe they took Mario Williams, who took a little time to get really good, but he, but he is pretty good. Uh, and it took a little time for Reggie Bush to get kind of good, I mean, until he may play for the Dolphins. I mean, did he really become a uber-productive guy? Uh, so, uh, you know, I think, Tarvin, that Clowney is not a surefire um, – you know, he's not going to be a guy who we look at the first year and is going to have 10 sacks. I mean – 
He's not that guy, but he's the kind of guy that's going to compliment J.J. Watt. He's going to be a solid player for the, for every year they have him. He's going to get better, and he's not going to be a strikeout at the number one pick. Yeah, you have to get somebody that you can trust if you're going to draft him up like that. There's no Andrew Lux in this draft. There's no Cam Newton. There's no, who else, Russell Wilson like that. I mean, Manziel is a gamble. I mean, he's a total gamble. I think Bridgewater, he really killed himself in that uh, pro day he had, his arm strength and everything. Trey Bortles, you're right. He's the best quarterback out of all three of them. I think he's got more upside to him. I think he's got more to give and more to learn and more to produce. I think Manziel topped out, and I think Bridgewater will never see the field. Uh, But A.J. McCarron and Aaron Murray, Mettenberger, people like that, why not draft them later? Go ahead and stack up your team now and maybe trade for a quarterback. But who's going to be the one that busts early? Who's, who's going to be the team that takes that quarterback first and oh, busts think, the whole draft wide open? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, it's going to be hard. I think multiple teams are going to do it. But here, here's the thing. I'm not saying that I, that I disagree that Johnny Manziel can't be a pro. Uh, but, but you mentioned a great point, which is Russell Wilson. I think that, that Manziel could be Russell Wilson. But Tarvin Russell Wilson was drafted in the third round, and so you gotta you gotta evaluate that. Uh, if Russell Wilson was a first round pick, now granted, based on the success he has now, it'd be fine. But if you would go back and you look at the value they got him at, I think that was the right call for where it was. If he had gone in the first round, people would have been like, "Whoa, what is this about?" Uh, so I think if Manziel were to slip late in the first round, early second, I think he's a steal there because I think he can be good but he needs a very very good supporting cast to be good if not he's yeah. going to be you know he's not going to be good because he's going to get killed you're right if some if a good team later in the first round picks him and allows him to come in and back up for a year or two yeah, that that's it that's the key all of these quarterbacks that are in this draft they need they need some time to develop and learn from a, a starter. There's not a starting quarterback this next year coming up that's in this draft right now. I mean, Aaron Murray's a, the person I look at that, that's going to be a good one. Mettenberger, you said, he's getting better, and that's good. He's starting to, to get better. He, he didn't hit his, his high, his ceiling right there in college. He, he's got a lot more to go, Trey, but A.J. McCarron, you know if I'm saying this, I mean it. He's an Alabama guy, so you know if I'm saying it, I mean it. I think he's going to get some good value in this draft, and he's going to be a, a good quarterback. He's going to be a good leader in the NFL. So anything on the draft before we move off this? No, you know, we're going to talk about our draft more, but there's a couple of teams that I think um, that could take quarterbacks in the top ten and be successful because they're good teams and they have enough to support these guys. But there are other teams, Tarvin, that I just think, you know, and so what I'm really trying to get at is these guys aren't necessarily top ten value, but there are some teams that have very, very good running games and receivers and lines that can protect these. I'm thinking the Minnesota and even Houston to a point. Now, their their offensive line needs help, but those two have the most talent for a rookie to come in and have success versus the Clevelands and things like that. Good point. Good point. And, hey, the last topic I want to talk about tonight, and, again, we're 31 days away from the draft. You know both of us will be in this show nailing this draft, going through it all, and giving you some more details. But I want to know what Chip Kelly was doing. And if you agree with Deshaun Jackson being let go from Philadelphia like that and 
Do you think Philadelphia leaked this information just to make them look not as bad for doing this or maybe get questioned on it? I don't know if Deshaun Jackson's a gang member, Trey. What do you think? Well, I don't know anything about what he is or isn't. Um, what I don't understand is if, if you don't like him on your team, you evaluated him as a person through this last year, and Chip Kelly just says, you know, I don't think he helps us. Um, you know, they have an opportunity to trade him. Why not? I mean, why not get value out of him? So, yeah, I, I just don't get the move. I mean, now you're left with Riley Cooper, who has got his own set of problems, by the way. He is no saint. And then you have uh, Jeremy Macklin, who's coming off an ACL, who blew his knee out and missed the entire year. So, you know, now I, I look at the Eagles, and I see a huge hole at receiver. So maybe they're going to go after it in the draft, Harmon. But, I mean, giving up nothing or getting nothing in return for a guy who had a 1,000 yards receiving last year and letting him go to play with RG3, man, I mean, that, that's, that's going to hurt all year long, man. Yeah, in your own division. And, and the last thing I want to talk about is, Carolina, Trey, I, I just, you know, they they won their division. They they made it in the playoffs. They lost to the Niners. But what are they doing in Carolina right now with no receivers, Cam's hurt? How are, how are they going to go in and draft enough receivers to help Cam Newton make this offense better? I'm just not seeing it. Well, I mean, I think they're going to ask. They're going to be, you know, it's going to be like the movie Invincible. They're going to be looking for guys to come off the street and play receiver for them. <laughs> and they got nothing on that team. I don't know what they're doing, Tarvin. They didn't do anything in free agency, which is something I thought they would do. I mean, so, I mean, maybe there's a game plan. I, I don't, I don't still know it. There's not a game plan. I mean, they're going to, they're going to be in trouble this next year. I can't wait till we do our predictions. So. It's going to be a lot, but tomorrow night, the national championship game, 9-10 Eastern, I believe. I'm excited, Trey. You're picking Kentucky. I'm picking Kentucky Wednesday night. We'll review all of this. We'll talk some baseball. We'll talk NFL, college football, Trey, and we'll just kind of wrap up this college basketball season Wednesday night. Anything before we go? No, man. We'll see you Wednesday. All right. Thanks for joining us, Trey, and uh, Big E, thanks for calling in. We'll see you Wednesday night.